This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Hello, More Than Workers. Something's happening. Something's happening out there. I don't know if What's happening? What's happening out there? There's something happening here. What it is isn't exactly clear. It's kind of from the song. It's from the song. But there is something. You got it in your head now? Okay. Something happening here. Yep. Yep. What's happening right now? I didn't before. I got it now. (laughs) Now you got it? Okay. You're with us now. Okay. We're about to lose everybody here as a listener (laughs) because they don't know what we're talking about yet. But so here, let's pull it together. Here's what we're seeing. We're seeing two major confluences occurring all at the same time. There is a disturbance in the force and it's creating changes throughout all the organizations that we work with, all the industries that we work with, the entire world. What were the two changes? One was the pandemic. If you haven't heard about it, you should read the news more, check it out. Second thing is a sans-demic. Now, what is a sans-demic? A sans-demic is when there is a workforce shortage. There are more jobs than there are people. And some people are thinking the pandemic and the sans-demic are related to each other, right? Because we grow all back to work. And so people aren't going entering the workforce and all that. But that's not really true. The sans-demic's been building for a long time. And it's because of the baby boomers. So if you're a baby boomer and you're listening to this, I want you to think about what you did. Because here's what you did. Thanks a lot. Is there are so many of you. There were a lot of you, right? Baby boomers. Just It was a baby boom. Lots of babies being born. Lots of babies being born after World War II. Boom born, lots of them all over the place. And there's so many of you that you were a majority of the population, the workforce for a long time. Now you are entering into retirement age and you've been retiring and baby boomers are retiring at a rate of 10,000 baby boomers every day in the United States, 10,000 every day. So they're leaving the job force and not just leaving the job force. They're leaving a lot of the higher end positions in the job force. A lot of them are executives. A lot of them are the most experienced people on the teams and they're leaving very, very quickly. Well, those Gen Zers, if you're Gen Zers, I want you to think about what you did. Think about what you did because there are not enough of you. There's not as many of you. You're not filling the job market as fast as it needs to be. Plus, you're not really prepared for those positions anyway. And you Gen Xers, myself included, who came up after the baby boomers and had to pick up your mess, there weren't <laughs> enough of us to be able to pick up all these jobs. So we have this big shortage of workforce, but at the same time, we had this huge disruption from the pandemic that has occurred. So what we are seeing is some employers are having trouble finding people. Some employees are switching careers. They're jumping around into different places. We're seeing some employers suddenly able to hire lots of people that they couldn't hire before. It's really kind of strange. So we want to talk through some of these trends and to lead us through that discussion, Matt Griswold is going to talk us through with Diana Royalty and Bethany Taff. So take us away, Matt. All right. Thank you very much. And I would like to point out, as we talked about internally before we hit record, you know, my wife and I have done our part to try to refill the employee shortage. We do have five kids. They're not ready for the workforce quite yet, but they're going to be there. So unless you're contributing back to the cause, like we're just trying to help the cause uh, right now, we feel like we've done our part. I think that's great, Matt. And frankly, I'm just glad that millennials are out of the spotlight at this point where I feel like we're just contributing and people are like, thank goodness. You're just holding if, down the floor. <laughs> if, if someone can find a millennial at work, please let me know because yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Wake them up. Wake them up. Hello. And, and yeah, I think Bethany and I are both millennials. I'm an old millennial. I'm on yeah. the cusp, but technically Bethany and I are both millennials. I feel Emphasis like- on the old. But- that's right. <laughs> 
All right, let's get into this topic. Now, what's 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 funny, and maybe what all of these more than workers need to need to realize is sometimes we get on and we discuss potential topics. We we typically have a hopper of different topics that we could potentially discuss, and then we start to you know vet the topics, what feels good. We talked for probably thirty minutes about this topic alone. So. At the end of the podcast, we're going to learn lots of different things, but there might still be additional questions that you have or other talking points that come out of this that we would love to hear your feedback on. We want to talk from the employer's perspective and the employee's perspective as we work our way through this topic. It is multifaceted. There are many points to it. It might depend on the industry that you are in. It might depend on the geographical location that that you are, where you're coming from, or where you're listening from right now. So we understand, first of all, let's knock out some of the elephants in the room when we're talking about this employee shortage, okay? Some of the elephants in the room that people are uh, maybe experiencing, because we always hear this, right? Well, you don't understand our situation, or you don't live where we do, or man, we hear this all the time in publishing. Well, that's a different market. We don't, you don't know our struggle here. There's some elephants in the room that we we don't want to be ignorant to. We want to understand that there are some other, exter- you know, extenuating circumstances. First of all, you know, we're going to be talking about one of the things that employers can do. We don't necessarily have to jump into it just yet. But one of the things that employers need to do is, is to pay a competitive wage. Please pay a competitive wage, something that 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 is livable in, for your market, for your industry. Pay a competitive wage so you can anticipate talented people wanting to go. I We say that on the, the other side of that is employers might be listening going, I don't have just this influx of cash. I can't afford to pay everybody all the things, right? Yes, I would love to do that. I'm just not sitting on a pile of money to be able to, to afford to be able to do that. So we recognize funds are a thing. We're going to, we're going to talk about maybe some, some different ways to process that information, but we recognize <clears throat> the funds are a thing there. There's a shortage of people applying. Let's just, we'll, we'll be candid and frank with that. There's, there's, there's a shortage of people literally going to look for jobs for whatever reason. Maybe it was, maybe it was during the, you know, during the pandemic, we, you know, talked about internally, we learned some stuff about ourselves. And one of those things is we can work remotely. You know, Diana's in Tacoma, Washington. She was in Springfield before this all took place, right? Before the pandemic, but we proved ourselves that, Hey, we're capable of doing some things employees learned through the pandemic as well that, hey, I'm capable of doing other things. I don't have to go back to the same industry or the same job, or you know what, maybe it was a dual income family. And they're like, you know what, we don't need both of us. And it was kind of nice being home with the kids or kind of nice chasing that hobby. I don't necessarily need to go, you know, back to a career, you know, so everybody was learning things about themselves, which, you know, might also put into an employee uh, shortage too. And the government funds, depending on where you live, helpful for a lot of people in a lot of situations, but also made it easier to kind of put off needing to go get a job. Like we can be transparent and candid candid with that uh, as well. And so there's lots of different extenuating circumstances. Uh, some of the industries have really big stigmas on them right now, which make it make it a little bit diff- more difficult to potentially find people bef- before. So we just thought it was important to, we're not ignorant to the fact that there are extenuating circumstances. There are things that are happening in the environment saying, you know, if you're an owner of a company and you're going to, and let me checklist these four things that PeopleCentric is going to have us do. And then, hey, wait, I'm still not getting people. We get it. There's extenuating circumstances, but there are some things that are within our control that we can, you know, really look inwardly to to do our best to kind of ebb and flow. I think I think the ones or the the businesses or the companies maybe that struggled most is maybe if they went through an experience like the pandemic and we didn't change or ebb or flow or learn anything from it, and we just continued to try to do things the way that we've always tried to do things. Would you all agree with that statement? 
for sure. Yeah, I yep. imagine there's a lot of people going that you just described, you just described my my situation. So if you could just go ahead and tell me what the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna do that. We're just that'd be great. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, just right. Catch us on the next episode of the <laughs> podcast where we'll point out obvious things that are happening to you and talk about, well, sucks to be you. Right. So, so there are, you know, the, the other thing that I would point out too, is, is a lot of the industries or a lot of the companies right now, not only is there a shortage of employees, but we're jockeying for the same talent, right? The, the different companies are trying to put themselves in position to be able to, uh, you know, get, get, go after the same, the same talent. And so, what does that look like? What does that mean for me as an employer? So how do we position ourselves well? So let's let's maybe talk about this from the employee and the employer's perspective. So you want to start with the employee or the employ, employer? We can go either way. You'd lead us, Matt. All right. Let's talk about the, from the employer's perspective, okay? So the easiest thing, clearly I chose the wrong one. I'm doing it anyway. I'm already too far. We're going to go from the employer's perspective, Okay. Because I think I think that when employers listen to this, and if you listen to one of our most recent podcasts, we talk about how to hire and onboard and effectively impact your retention numbers. And Diana? And I think it's important for employees to know what employers are thinking. I think it's a good perspective for even employees to have. Yeah. Start thinking like owners and understand where they're coming from. That's good. And uh, by the way, if you knew, if you wanted to know how I knew Diana had a question, we're on a Zoom. <clears throat> we can see each other. So when she gives me the finger wag, I know that she wants to say something and that's just what happened. So thank you for adding. Thank you for adding that. Yes. Even though we're talking about employers, if I'm an employee, it's probably important for me to understand what the employers are processing, what they're considering, what they're thinking, uh, you know, with the, with this topic surrounding this topic. So if I'm an employer, what are some of those things that maybe hopefully I walked away with or hopefully I learned during the pandemic? What are some of the stories and maybe the best way to attack this is we got to work with companies, some awesome companies all the way through this, this pandemic. For the last year, there's been companies doing great work that we've been able to help support. What are some of the things that we've seen that maybe they have learned or some of those things, you know, one of the, one of the main things is they had to be flexible and they had to maybe, you know, re-identify who they are and what they do. What are some of those stories that maybe you guys can share that they have, you know, that we've experienced, you know, from, from our perspective as an outside insight consultant for them. I was just thinking about one employer that we talked to back in March of 2020. And he was talking about, you know, how he'll never shut down the office. Like he was like, I'm, I will never shut down the office. We're just not going to do it. And he said, if we ever did have to shut down the office, I might as well just literally close. Like we will just be done because there's no way that our people could do all this work without being together in the office. Like our work is collaborative. We have to look over each other's shoulders. It would just devastate the culture, all of those different things. You know, fast forward six months later, they haven't been in the office for a long time. They're working on things and things are going pretty well. So I, I think that a lot of businesses that we saw learned to not say, well, that would never work because you can make, it's amazing what you can make work when you need to make it work. And that was so common, by the way, at that time too. A lot of people, again, we, you know, employers were proving things to themselves through the pandemic. And I think one of the, one of the big takeaways was that they were proving to themselves that we didn't have to have a, you know, a specific office standard with specific office hours, right? They were able to, to still accomplish great things. And, and, and I think one of the things that that highlighted was they, they hired good people from the inside that also wanted to do good things. They weren't just going through the motions when they were coming to work for the most part. 
They wanted to be, a, you know, be in a job that they were proud of and they wanted to support the company. They wanted to do great things. And when you have that as a recipe for success, then, then you, can, you can accomplish things that you didn't think were possible. Now that kind of had another effect if you think about that. Cause like we're talking about all these different effects and all this chain reaction of things that occurred is the employers that sat back and said, wow, that's awesome. I'm so impressed by what our team could do in remote and all the things we could put out there. But then that also had an impact on the employees, right? Because if you're listening and you're an employee inside of a company, you also saw like, wow, my employer discovered that I could work from home and be productive. And I kind of liked some of that, or we didn't have to show up and do that Monday morning meeting that everybody hated. And it would still, things still got done. Or my boss didn't have to look over my shoulder all the time. So it's shifted the expectations of employers to realize what employees could do. But it also shifted the expectation of employees on what employers can offer and how flexible they could be if they wanted to be. I think that's one of those next, you know, I don't know if it's a tech next talking point or just kind of piggybacking on that thought. You know, this is, you know, Diana, we talked about this a little bit ago too, but the expectations of employees has changed throughout this process as well. One of the expectations of employees is that I want a job to where I can still at least be kind of in a hybrid model of work from home and I'll go to the office some, but I, I primarily want to work from home. Everybody, you know, proved to themselves that they could, that they could do that. And that's, you know, that's what, that's what we're seeing also, right? We were just talking about that. It, it's also fun to watch employers struggle with this idea of like, suddenly they kind of felt, got a taste of what engaged and empowered employees look like. And then they're like figuring out how do I do that? How do I continue that? And some are struggling and I've over-adjusted to that. Like I talked to one employer uh, recently who said that they had a, they, they told their team they're going to like a hybrid office model. So they, they're going to have some, some are going to be in the office, some are not. And they said, we kind of let people choose like if they come in or not. Well, they have one employee specifically who never comes in and it's really starting to impact the collaboration. They'll have meetings where everyone will show up live and this other person's still on the Zoom call. And they're, so they're missing stuff. They're not really very engaged, I guess, even through Zoom and all that. And so the employer's like, see, see, so this doesn't work. And they're like ready to pitch this entire experiment of like, no, we need to go back to the way we were. And I just asked the question. I said, why don't you just have that employee come in then for the meeting? They still work for you. So there's, there's a little bit of like, I think some employers are threw them off their balance of, you mean, I can still tell my employees what to do. I can make them come into work for this meeting. Yeah. You can make them come in and you don't have to hide behind. You don't have to manage behind a policy. You know, you can manage around, you can manage people still individually. You can still work with people. You can still engage people to solve problems. So I, I think that threw employers off. Diana, you wanted to add something? Yeah. You just said my favorite phrase is like, don't manage through policy. And I think a lot of people didn't have policies in place for a pandemic, right? So they had to learn that you manage by talking to people and through communication and through clarity and managing through policy is just not feasible in a lot of situations. So in the situation you were just talking about, like, is it a policy issue or is that just like a one person who needs some direct management and some help to get it back on track, you know? So why punish the whole team for something that one person is doing or taking advantage of? Yeah. Don't manage through policy, I think was something that I often said before. I'm going to keep saying it because it's still not clear yet because management is really hard, but I do think a lot of managers realize like, oh, there isn't a procedure for this. So I just have to talk to my people and be very clear about what's needed next. Yeah. And I was, and with that, and I think that this leads to another thing that, that we've seen. And I think people understand more. We've always talked about just the importance of having, we, we would create like a check-in process, right. But it's really just those one-on-one 
regular interactions with your team, not in like a large meeting group meeting setup, but like one-on-one, -on -one, like you're sitting down with your manager, you're sitting down with your employee and just seeing how they're doing and seeing what their goals are and just checking in with them. And I think that's become even more important since all of these things and within the past year, because people are realizing like, oh, I can't rely on them being in the office all the time because I don't know what, I don't happen to just pass by them and talk to them. I have to be really intentional in setting, setting aside time to, to connect with my people because either we're crazy busy or they're just not always physically in the office. And so super important. You know, Don, you had mentioned, you know, oh, maybe we don't have to come in for that morning meeting. What Don did not say was, oh, the morning meeting is no longer important, right? That the, the meeting is still taking place. We just have to re-identify or re-establish how we actually are are having that meeting. And so, you know, if we wanted to, if we wanted to take all of these words that we're saying, I also want to take these words and kind of create a, an actionable to-do list or things to consider if I'm an employer, right? If we're talking from the employer's side. So one of the things that I'm hearing from this conversation, and you can add to it as well, but one of the things that I'm that I'm hearing from this is consider schedules consider working schedules just because we feel like we've made it to the end of the pandemic that's great everybody's back eight to five or everybody you know monday through friday or you know whatever that whatever that looks like i think i think employers a lot of them that we're talking to they have this urge or this desire to just kind of get it back to where it was and the employees are like Ugh, don't put me in that box anymore you know i you know, you know I, i'm i'm different i have adapted i have learned we have changed and so i think for an employer consider schedules Consider what that looks like. We have so many people, Don, you used the, you used the hybrid model earlier. So many owners that we're working with that if that's an option for your business, right? Some of them, it's just not an option. But, you know, if that's an option for your business, consider schedules, consider hybrid models, consider working from home, but then being intentional about creating those touch points where we do need to communicate. We do need to be together for, you know, this, uh, this or that. Would you agree with that? Add to that? Yeah, I would just add, I'm going to go back to what Bethany said about how important it is during these times to keep checking in with your employees, because as your company evolves, and this is a state of accelerated evolution is a way of thinking about this, because you've got these changes that are happening to you market-wise and pandemic-wise and disruption, employee market, all these changes are hitting at the same time. It's really important that you evolve with your employees not as a you know victim of whatever your employees want and not just totally driving it. I think the nature, and we've seen some try to make this mistake is they'll start to step back as employers and say, okay, we're gonna go back to the office now. We really have to protect our culture. And then they sit back and they try to create the policy without involving the employees, which is not how you got to the situation you're in now. I've seen you know one of, one of our clients did something I thought that was really cool was they recognized that they weren't going to be back in the office anytime soon and they were going to work remotely, but the owners were really concerned about how they were going to maintain their culture. So they went to their employees and said, how are we going to maintain and nurture our culture if we're not going to be in the office again together for another year? Like, what can we do better? And the employees started coming up with ideas. Now you're evolving together. Like if you tell the story to the employees of what's happening, and you're clear about that. If you're shortage, if you have a shortage of labor, you're not attracting people. Tell your people. Let them help you to recruit people. You know, if you're if it's an if it's an income issue and you don't have enough money coming in, or there's a, there's a problem, get that involved. Get your employees involved with it so that you can evolve together. Great. Let's go to the next kind of takeaway there too. And I don't know how you want to talk about this, but let's talk about money, shall we? Let's consider wages too. If I'm an employer, I want to consider wages. 
And again, I'm not saying that everybody has a safe full of money that, yeah, just let go of the purse strings and do it already. Some of you are sitting there going, I wish I could, but man, this is really difficult. So, but it feeds into this other idea, which is consider what you do. How are you structured internally? And is that the way that you're structured internally, that the services that you're offering, the processes that you have in place, are those an obstacle for being able to also increase wages if if you could, right? So how do these two things tie together? What are some thoughtful things that employers need to know when we're considering wages and structure? No, this is big. I like this. I like this topic. Let's talk about checks, baby. That's what we're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, I just dropped that. Well, Another good one. We're that all... was good. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Uh, Diana, sometimes she says that she hates it, but then her face says she likes that one, but that was good right. enough that she, right. she actually that got was excited good. about that one. Let's I like talk that about checks. Yeah, I, a lot. If if you take a step back and you recognize that what you've been doing may not be working anymore, right? So, like we've talked about, some industries, some industries might be in decline, or some industries may not have recovered yet. Some industries may never recover from what used to be, and maybe the you know, and maybe this whole pandemic and pandemic is accelerating that change. Sometimes, as a business owner, you have to take a step back and recognize it's not working. What used to work is not working. I can't pay myself what I used to pay myself. You know, I want the employees are going to be demanding more money, but really the business model is telling me I'm going to have to start paying them less. That, that's an indication that the business model is broken and you have to do something very different. You have to change. You're going to have to evolve. The good news with all of that is that is if, again, if you can kind of loop your employees in on that, they will help you to be able to make that evolution. So I'm, we're big proponents, and we've talked about this and done a whole episode this podcast on this, but I'm really big in teaching you know, your employees about the business. Get, help them understand it. Share what's happening financially inside the business as much as you can so that they can call out things that you might miss, things that are obvious. So we shouldn't do that anymore. We don't make money when we do this, or this is what a new way for us to be able to make money. We've seen some really cool, some great companies that have really innovated really well and shifted their business model drastically and been able to accelerate it through all these changes, through this disruption and through the labor shortage and everything else. And it's put them in a position to be able to attract labor of people who are like, you're doing something new and innovative and that's exciting. And so the people who are thinking about jumping are coming into new jobs, but it really does start with, does the business model work? And by the way, before you should teach other people how your business works, you need to understand it yourself. And honestly, if you run a small business, truth bomb, most small business owners don't really understand how their own business financials work. And if you're sitting there crying now, because I just said that you should probably start working towards fixing that dive in. Wow. I didn't know we were going to go that way. We just had that. We just had truth, the check talk. Truth bomb. The check <laughs> yeah. talk so we just good. had a truth bomb there brought to you by Don Harkey and people centric. That's nice. Bethany, what were you going to say? No, I really like that. I was having a conversation with somebody today about like a bonus program that they have put into place and how like the first year they did it, they were making, you know, everybody was making a lot of money and it was based on like how much they were saving in like production, right? So they were looking for ways to save money so that they could pay out this bonus program. And now the employees are making less. And so we were kind of talking about like, what should the conversation be? Um, maybe we need to relook at how the bonus program is set up, but also, you know, what kind of conversations are you having internally with the employees to help them understand like what impacts that cost savings and to be able to help them make more money? Because if you're saving more money, then you can make more money too, um, if that's the way it's set up. And so I think those are good conversations to have with your employees if you also understand your financials. 
Yeah, and I and I and I think to add to add to that too, this understanding of okay, so what are the wages that I I can afford to pay people? And I think the thing to consider, and maybe one of the biggest takeaways here is, you're not probably going to be able to pay them the same amount of money doing the same things that you were doing previously. If that makes sense, <clears throat> you might have to identify a new lane of revenue. We might have to identify a better, more efficient process to be able to produce things so I can save a little bit more. But we're we're trying to, and the employees. This isn't just an employee you're talking. Employees are guilty of this also going, I'm not making the same money that I did. I need to make more money. The employer is looking at something completely different going, gosh, I wish we could make more money, but we're not making as much money. So you can't. So, so we have to identify what is it that you do and what other lanes of revenue do we need to add? I can think specifically in publishing recently, or I say recently throughout the year, we can see where they went more digital, less print. And uh, not that print is going away or has gone away, but it, digital has definitely increased. They're getting creative with the different bundles and, and things that they're selling. They're getting you know creative with maybe you know like the virtual event side or advertising advertising like that. When, when, when now we're able to start kind of meeting together again uh, in a lot of places, but but they were getting creative with different lines of business, custom publishing. How do we how do we not just produce a magazine now every month? How do we how do we produce something cool marketing across the country? Like how do we do that? And to hear some of these conversations that that these teams are having, it's pretty cool to be able to be a part of those conversations with a, with with an executive or with a, a sales director even that's going, man, what are the different lanes that we have not yet uncovered that we need to uncover? Instead of hearing organizations go, dang it, when is it all just going to kind of get back to where we can do what we were doing earlier? Mm-hmm. And the reality is that's probably not going to happen. We've got to be able to be flexible and, and continue to think of improvement. And you might be thinking, wait, I thought we were on the backside of this. I thought we were coming back to work. I thought things were getting back to normal. The, the reality is people learned things and we have changed uh, just a little bit. So we, we've got to be continue to be flexible to think about, you know, proactively those lanes of opportunity before maybe everything's on fire and I have to, you know yeah. what I mean? For a lot of people too. Bethany. Those in it. Yeah. Those innovations that we've, that we've gained throughout the pandemic, I think are changing a lot of business models. I'm, I mean, I think about just the whole like food service industry and groceries and all of that stuff, like so many of them have extended their their services to now be fully like they we do curbside all the time now and we all pick up our groceries and people were kind of forced into delivery and and things like that that they just they were kind of pushing off for a really long time and i'd be willing to bet that those are just like skyrocketing and doing really well making them a a lot of money. And I don't know the numbers. I haven't, you know, I can't say for sure that that's making them more money than what they were before, but I wouldn't be surprised either. And so I think that, I think that's really, really important to continue to look at those opportunities. So, you know, if you've heard people centric talk uh, anywhere in the country, speak at an event or help you help you with your organization, or maybe even on here, I'm sure we've said it too, but the answer very seldomly is just pay people more and they'll get you'll you'll get better work. Just pay people more and you'll get more people, more applicants. That's that's very seldomly the case. You know, money helps. People like money. I always put like a little disclaimer, like this is not Don. This is not an indication that I would not like a raise every now and again, right? I like that too. People like money, but what I'm saying is money is not the reason that people stay loyal to the organization and engaged in the process. That's that's not why typically. Typically, it's the health check on the inside. And so, 
I would be remiss if we moved on to the next you know, part of this without saying, you know what, there are some tangible things that you can do from the inside out uh, of an organization to make sure that you are a place that people want to work at you know, even from the beginning, that they even want to apply there first, uh, that they, and then once they're on, the, they're on the inside, that they even want to stay engaged and, and retain themselves because you've just made yourself a great place functionally to work despite the money, despite the resume. Like inside, we have the five sets of systems that we always talk about. The people system, what does your hiring look like? What does your onboarding look like? What does your orientation look like? You can look at your, you know, listen to one of the previous podcasts. We talked about that. The communication system, do you, have you set yourself up for success to be able to allow transparent communication from top to bottom, but also from bottom to top and side to side? Like what are those proactive, intentional communication touch points that you have in place to create this transparency throughout the organization? management, right? Are, you, are we putting people into managerial positions and then teaching them what it looks like through leadership development to be an effective leader of people? Being good at your job and being an effective leader of people are two different things. And, and if you have a solid leadership development structure within your company, that's something that I think employees look for too. How are they being supported in the role? The process system is, is simply a pulse check on the processes that you have internally. Are they efficient and are they effective? Involve the people in developing the processes that you're trusting the people to then run. And then finally, strategy. Don talked about it just a little bit there when we're talking about revenue and, and showing, showing the uh, revealing what's behind the curtain a little bit as far as the financials are concerned. This is so important. So then now we are on the same page with strategy. What's our vision? Where are we going? And how do I make smart decisions to help ensure that we can get there? What's a realistic picture of where we are? So I think there are some things tangibly that you can do as an employer to be able to say, okay, so what is our health score like on the inside here? What are, are we doing all the things that we need to be able to do before we even, quite honestly, before we even put out the, the, you know, the, the notice that I need to hire somebody, I would encourage you to make sure that you have created an environment internally, you know, recognizing the staff that I have, the players on the field, but also, you know, recognizing, have we done as, as good an, as good of a job as we can do with these five sets of systems to make sure that we're healthy on the inside before I bring more people into this, into this place. So different things that you can look for. What about, let's switch gears to talk about the employee's stance here. So the employee has learned several things, right? The employee is the one that we're trying to, hopefully they come knocking on the employer's door for a job, but there are some things that the employees now are considering and maybe what's different. Diana, I don't know if you want me to, you know, impromptu throw this to you here. I'm sure you have thoughts about this, but the employee's perspective has changed too, whether it was working from home, whether it was, you know, maybe the the, the industry you were just talking about, they had a, a kind of an awakening. I don't really want to be in the same industry and talked about surviving through the pandemic and this, and now I just want change. So what thoughts do you have as far as, you know, the employee's perspective and maybe how that's changed over the year? No, I think Pre-pandemic, the workforce was changing to this more work-life integration model. Technology has moved us a lot, and people were sort of looking for a way to better integrate work and life. That work-life balance thing has been a, a huge topic for years. And I think that once the pandemic hit, everyone sort of became in this change mindset and became unafraid of change and risk. And now we're looking for something different. And I think everyone has sort of said, I'm willing to take a little bit more risk. I'm willing to move to a different industry. I'm willing to find that job where I can work from home. I want the employer that 
allows me to have a better work-life integration and use technology. I definitely want better benefits because I didn't have healthcare before. And with a pandemic, it scared me. So I think the workforce is just shifting to say, I want more from work and life and employers have to figure out how to do that for their employees. Yeah. And, and, and I love it. I think that's, you know, the, the process that everybody went through throughout the pandemic. I, I do think that people want to go to work and, and I do think that people want to work at a place that they can feel like they were productive, that they were valued, that they, man, at the end of the day, uh, I felt good about the work that I was doing and I made a difference. Let's talk about maybe the mindset of some of these employees. What do we, what, what do we think they're thinking? What are they looking for now? Like if I'm an employer, what's something that this will help them, but let's kind of get inside the mind of the employee. And I know Diana just, just went there a little bit too. Don, did you have other thoughts? Maybe what is the employee looking for? Do you think that that can help an employer set up, set themselves up for success in trying to find some of these folks? Yeah. I mean, I think some employees, uh, let me, I, I, I want to touch base on something. I want to answer that question. I think a lot of employees have learned that they, they've been they've been afraid of losing their jobs through the pandemic. And if you're afraid of losing the safe job, then it makes you more courageous to go after the job that you've always wanted. So I think that employees are looking for great employers. And I think that's not an easy thing to find right now. I don't think employers are good at being great employers. And I don't think that they're good at showing even when they are great employers. I mean, it, that sounds so simple, but it is so true. I think that employees now are like saying, I want, I, I, I'm doing, I've done this job over here and I was either afraid that I was going to lose it. And now I'm realizing like, what if I did lose that job? If I could lose that job, that's safe. Why not just go find a better job? Or like Diana said, that they got, they got a little taste of a little bit of autonomy or they just, I, I almost had this picture sometimes and it's not really true for most business, but like you're working in this dark factory and this wind of the pandemic came through and blew the doors open and they saw the sun for the first time. They're just like, oh, I can go outside. Like, this is great. Like, this is right. all this. And like the employers are trying to like, don't look behind there, like close the doors real quick. Like, don't ignore that. I mean, I think there's, I think some employees feel that way, whether that's true or not. So I think they're looking for great employers or if they are looking for you, if they're still working, in a, if you're still working at a place, they're looking for the employer to engage them and, and find ways to allow them to be who they are and to be able to contribute to the company. I love that Don just said engage them because he often says the secret to having an engaged workforce and an engaged employees is to engage them, which sounds so simple and so ridiculous, but he, he does say it a lot. And I always look at him like, Okay, that's not easy. But I think during the pandemic, employers started just asking questions and saying, what can I do for you? How can I help you? What can make your job work from home? How do we do this better? How do we save money because we've lost this revenue? How do we create new lines of revenue? Where is innovation? And I, I believe that when employers started just asking the question of their employees, they inherently got a more engaged workforce because they were engaging them. And so I hope that employees don't lose that spark of engagement and don't lose that want to innovate and want to move forward. And I hope that employers don't lose the ability to keep asking those questions to keep them engaged. Yeah, I like that. And I think another way to engage people too is just setting clear expectations too. And I think that's another thing that I've heard a lot from people is just this, I'm just kind of lacking clarity. I don't know if I'm meeting what they're looking for. I think it's like over the past year, people are getting burned out and they're just working, working, working. And 
everybody's sort of been in survival mode. So then they're like, I know I'm doing a lot, but am I meeting the expectations that my boss has for me? I don't know because they've been in survival mode too and they haven't clearly laid some of those things out. And so I think don't underestimate those conversations too and making sure that that's really clear. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I love all that. I, you know, some of the talking points there that you just both, you know, both of you threw out there was, you know, and Diane said this a, a minute ago, but man, there's an emotional part to going back to work. Also, if you've been out of work during the pandemic, there's an emotional part of getting back into it too. And when you were talking about the, you know, employer, maybe I didn't have, or the employee, maybe I did, didn't have insurance before and I didn't really care, but now with the, the pandemic, now that kind of matters to me. And and so my my perspective on what I'm looking for and what I'm willing to do as you know to be able to obtain those things is is different as well. Don mentioned, you know, yes, we're looking for great employees, but the employees are looking for great employers. And I and I think that's, you know, put that on a t-shirt, right? I think that's something that you could really pulse check because you know the the things that we hear, not all of them, but the things that we hear from employers are like. I just can't, I just can't find people like people don't want to work. I just can't find people like we never had a problem filling this. And now they're just now, now they're just not, you know, knocking down the door like they used to be. And for an employer to hear that, you know what, they're also grading you and judging you and analyzing you the same way that you are interviewing them uh, at the same time, because people have options, right? Don I haven't really thought about it like this, but if you think about this, I think some of what's going on is if you're an employer and you're thinking, I'm looking for a great employee, why aren't there great employees out there? But then you're the employee and you're looking for a great employer and you're like, why aren't there any great employers out there? The employees talking about what the employers are like and the employers are talking about what the employees are like and they're missing each other. <laughs> they're like, they're like two ships passing and they're like, they're just, they're just missing each other. So, I mean, as an employer, maybe you should talk about how you employ people, like talk about yourself, not what, you know, talk about what you do as an employer and focus on that. If you're an employee, focus on what you bring to the table as an employee. And then I think that's a better perspective. Those are the things you can actually control. If I'm sitting back here and saying, I can't find any damn good people out there because they're all terrible. You know, the problem is probably you, like what things can you change? You can't change the job market. You can't wait for the next baby boomer generation to get to the workforce. You can't wait for all of Matt's kids to flood the workforce, which will be great and will help. But what you can do is you can be a better employer. If you're an employee and you're trying to find that dream job and nobody's the best, nobody's a good enough employer for you, that might be you. That might be your problem. That might be that you're not being as good an employee as you could be. If you just have a string of bad employers working for you, the common denominator is you. Another truth bomb there, but it's true. So it just, it strikes me that maybe we're missing each other and this kind of energizes that discussion a little bit. I think, you know, it, it appears to me that both sides, it starts from the inside, whether I'm an employee, it starts from the inside, whether I'm, I'm an employer, it starts from the inside of the organization or your leadership within the organization. Is that leadership that you have in place within the organization, a reflection of who you want to be as an organization? And because the employees are taking their lead from them. You know, the, the old school mentality, and some people thought this, like, you know, isn't it enough that people want to work for a sense of pride? Isn't it enough that people want to work for a paycheck? Like I'm paying them to be here and they're just not taking the money. You know what? That's an old school mentality right now. Yes, of course I want the money, but you know, maybe what's equally important to me is that I'm working in a place where I feel valued and engaged in a part of the process. Like I'm working in a place where the leadership values me as a person, not just as an employee to fill a seat, you know, within the company. And so both I just, of them. I just want to take, Matt, you bring up a great point there. And I just want to make sure that I take this opportunity 
you know, as an employer to let Bethany and Diana know how much I appreciate both of you and, and how just how much you add to the team. And just, I just really want to thank both of you. Thanks, John. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, Matt. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead, Matt. No, that's fine. I don't like any of you anyway. <laughs> I can't wait for this to be over. <laughs> paying him so he keeps showing up. <laughs> that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother uh, podcast there. All right. So it does start with us, right? We have some things that we're accountable for. We, you know, if I'm an employee, I have an accountability to myself to be the best dang employee that I can, that I can be. I mean, that's not just being spoon fed by the employer. That is also me being proactive, taking the right steps to make sure that I'm putting myself, setting myself up for success first, before I just expect things from the employer. And if I'm the employer, man, I have several check boxes that we need to go through to make sure that we are as healthy as we can be before I even uh, probably put it out there that I need to hire somebody. Like there are some boxes that need to be checked, but it starts with you. Our scope to be able to change other people and other things is very, very small. It starts with us from the inside out. So hopefully we address some of the elephants in the room right off the bat. We recognize that there's an employee shortage and there's other factors. We also recognize though, that there's been companies doing tremendous work and being flexible throughout the year, you know, uh, as far as getting, getting, uh, you know, being flexible to identify other, other lanes. It's not going to be the same old, same old, like there's going to be a new way that we are going to accomplish business. And hopefully your company has taken the step to identify what those lanes are, or maybe you're in the midst of doing that now. Done. I think I think with those trends, it turns out that 2020 is a terrible time to run an antiquated business model. So if you're sitting there running a business that's not making good money right now, 2020 is a terrible time because it's only going to get worse because you're going to lose people. You're going to lose money faster. The convergence of the pandemic and the pandemic together are going to are going to knock you out. However, the 2020s, I think, are also a great time to work with your team to innovate and engage to create a new path, find a new way. That leads you to a mutual success where you can be successful and your employees can be successful. And it doesn't mean we have to scrap the entire business. There's probably just a slightly different lane that we could also expose ourselves to that, that still utilizes the strengths of our company, of our values, and of our people that we already have in place. Just Yeah, to- I love that you don't have to scrap the business. A very quick story. I know we're at the end here, but you know, Springfield, Missouri is the home of cassette manufacturing. I thought you were going to say cashew chicken. No, I wasn't. I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't going to mention that. It's true, but I wasn't not going to mention that. No, we do. We do cassette manufacturing. So you think like tape cassettes, right? Like we don't, who makes those anymore? There's a sprint. There is a business here in Springfield that makes national audio that makes the cassettes. And they, while all the other cassette manufacturers went out of business, they continued and continued to innovate the cassettes and their business has been growing and they have lots of employees. It's a decent sized company and most of it, it's built here. So it's very old idea, but what they did to survive that industry and to continue through is they innovated and they thought different and they engage people. When you hear stories about what they did, it's that them solving problems together and working with their employees. So when you're working through disruption, I mean, that's the key is to solve the problems together. That's great. So hopefully we will, you know, given you several different useful tips, whether you're an employee, whether you're an employer of going through this, this process here, we, we talked about some of the glaring things that are needed as far as employers are concerned, some things to be able to walk through and also some of the struggles that we get that we're not ignorant to that, that are, that are also in the environment. If you have some other questions or other lanes, maybe this podcast just opened up more questions than answers for you. Feel free to filter those to us too. We'd be happy to attack those different uh, questions that you might have too. So thank you for joining us and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well.